You gotta you gotta get the dance going with the uh, LinkedIn countdown. I do it every time. It's like Rocky or something. But uh, I love it. Well, welcome everybody to Recruiting is No Joke. It's episode twenty two. Really, really excited for this episode and to get into the conversation. Uh, but before we get started, I want to give a, a shout out to Bright Hire, our sponsor. If you're not working with Bright Hire, you need to. Uh, it's interview intelligence, which really, really helps uh, get rid of bias in the interview process. And uh, they're just doing some great work. So check them out. And then also, if you're in TA or you're in HR, you need to get in the Shine community. Obviously, we've been hit pretty hard with the layoffs. So this is a great opportunity just to network, hear about jobs in the space, and uh, just connect with people. That's what it's all about, right? So as always, if you can get in the chat, let us know who's out there. We don't want to be talking into a vacuum here. Uh, let us know who's in the chat. And then if you've got questions um, for our guest today, get them in, in there and we'll be able to answer those questions. So uh, without further ado, Donald, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. Why don't you just give everybody an introduction on uh, what you do and who you do it for. And then uh, we'll get into the chat here. I'm super excited. Absolutely. First of all, shout outs to my guy, Joel. If you don't know, recruiting is not a joke. So uh, <laughs> I'm so serious. Like people need I know. to know, like it's very important to make sure that people are investing on the front end, the hiring process. Yeah. And we're going to dig all into that. Shout outs to the Shine community. Shout out to my guys, Teddy and Ben over at Bright Hire. If you don't know, you need to know, reach out to them. Tell them Donald and Joel sent you. They'll take good care right. of you. Um, super excited to be here. Donald Knight, Chief People Officer. I work for the greatest hiring software on the planet, Greenhouse Software. Um, and I'm, I'm super elated to be here, man. Like we have so many people, particularly in this time right now, Joel, you know, me and you have talked a little bit, but like um, so many folks in our occupation and our profession, they're feeling a little discouraged right now, right? Like they're seeing layoffs left and right. They're yeah. seeing a lot of the people that they help sourced and bring to the organization, be able to stay at the organization while they're being asked to move on to different pastures. And so to those folks, the first thing I want to be able to tell you is like, I want to encourage you, like what you do matters. Um, we will get through this. And hopefully when we get through this, we get through this not only stronger, but more closely connected because of platforms uh, like what Joel has built here for us to be able to connect with one another. So, man, I'm super excited to, to be able to chat with you today. Yeah, man, it's great. It's great. And I love everything that you're saying. And obviously we've seen ups and downs, right? I mean, it's, let's think of 2020, obviously that was, a, that was a dip and we came back strong. Uh, but yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious, like, why don't you just give us, cause obviously greenhouse, I mean, I don't know how anybody wouldn't know uh, what you guys do, but you obviously just more than an ATS. So like, well, I'd, I'd love for you just to kind of share, like, what is the mission at greenhouse? Like, what are you guys all about? Yeah. Look, the, the reality is all we focus on every single day is unleashing the power of people. Um, mm -hmm. And the way that you do that is you have to unleash their potential. Um, there are so many companies that right now have amazing work and purpose that they want to be able to drive, uh, but they may not have the right people there. And so you're spot on. And ATS is a service, mm -hmm. right? That's a, it's, it's a product, but it's a service. That's, the, like, that's, not, that's not what we focus on. What we focus on is all things hiring. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Recruiting is No Joke. I wanted to give a quick shout out to my sponsor, Bright Hire. The old way of hiring just doesn't cut it anymore, and my friends at Bright Hire are here to help. Bright Hire is the leading interview intelligence platform for improving quality of hire at talent-first companies. 
Their technology records and transcribes interviews and creates a set of highlights you can revisit and share to streamline the process, improve the candidate experience, and give teams better information to make the best possible hiring decisions. If you're looking to improve your quality of hire and reduce bias in your hiring process, visit brighthire.com today and let them know Joel sent you. Now back to the episode. Thanks again. So like, yeah, there are some people that come up to us and they're saying, hey, like we have an HCM, but we don't have a great ATS. Yeah, you can reach out to us. We can solve that for you. But there's other people that are like, look, our entire process around interviewing, we need to get it revamped. We're trying to diversify our talent pool, lean in on being inclusive, try to limit bias in the process. Do you have something for that? We got structured interviewing for you. For those people that are like, hey, like a couple couple years back, CEO of Wells Fargo was like, hey, I don't even know where to go find diverse talent. Like, mm. We got you. Like, We can help you with sourcing automation to help you find where these pockets of amazing people from the full fabric of the community uh, are. So we can help you with that. And then last but certainly not least, what good is it to make a phenomenal first impression? And then when people actually come to join your organization, uh, their onboarding is clunky at that, <laughs> right? Like 100%. just clunky, right? So if you need help on onboarding, we got you for that as well. And and I think I mentioned this when we met earlier. I mean, so many of our clients are on Greenhouse. And obviously we want more <laughs> clients on Greenhouse. I think that's what you said. You're like, only only some of them you're like we need all of them but it is I've, it's a testament because a lot of times ATSs they are they're just tough to work with and so i've heard just amazing feedback and obviously maybe as an agency we need to switch over so i'll uh, set you up with our ceo matt if you're listening um but one of the things that one of the things that i've heard you say right is you can tell how much companies care about and like actually value their people based on their hiring process so i'm I'm curious, like, where are some of those areas that you see, you know, your clients when you first work with them or you first team up with them? Well, like, what, what do you see some, like, just the pain points in hiring in, in general right now that you really, really think that there's room to improve on that we're growing towards, but maybe we just need more emphasis on, if that makes sense? Yeah, I think there's, look, there's a number of pain points, Joel, um, that we're seeing in market, right? Like, Candidates are frustrated with the process because they feel like they go into this dark hole and they don't have the opportunity to figure out what is it um, uh, that they didn't or did say that might have um, gotten them outside of the process that they were looking forward to. I yeah. literally was just talking to a young lady earlier today based out of Boise, Idaho, and she was like, look, I made it to the final round. And then they just like essentially ghosted her for like two weeks. And then she circles back and she's like, hey, what's going on? Where am I in the process? And they're like, oh, we moved on with another candidate. So like, that's not cool by any yeah. stretch of the imagination. So there's uh, frustration from the candidates. There's also like frustration from people teams uh, across industries because many of them have like uh, less than stellar tools to even navigate this process with. And then in navigating this process, you have things like the macro economy and they're trying to navigate. What does that look like? Like, so there's a greater supply of talent in market right now. So they're trying to sift through that. And they're also trying to make sure that they're inclusive. And many of them don't even have like a structured process. So they're like, oh my goodness, what's going on there? And then for leaders, I mean, we've all been hiring managers before, right? Like we want people like yesterday, like clearly we're creating a role because there's some impact we want it to make. And so some of those folks are having frustration um, because they're looking for those people like yesterday. 
And so that's, I think that's the interesting di di dichotomy, if you will, um, associated with the work that we do. So um, those are some of the trends. And I, I anticipate some of those trends continuing in the event that we don't use this time where there's somewhat of a slow down shift yeah. in hiring somewhat. Um, if we don't use this time to really maximize getting people the right tools in order to find uh, the right uh, additions for their teams, the folks that are going to accelerate growth, accelerate the culture. If you're looking for those folks, how do you have, make sure you first have the right tools in order to find the right accelerators and then make sure that they have an, a phenomenal experience? Yeah, I think one of the, I mean, to me, one of the big challenges right now with seeing a lot of, you know, talent teams, for lack of a better word, just getting decimated is this would be a great time to actually improve on a lot of processes, improve on employer branding, improve on onboarding. Like, there's a lot of work outside of just the reactive work that we're doing just with recruiting. There's a lot more that goes into it. And I know one of the things that I've heard you talk about too is like with culture, right? Like culture is, it's not just something that we say or we put on a piece of paper and, and kind of get people to memorize. It's something you got to work on really every single day but you've, you've got to consistently work on it. So I'm curious, like, how do you see culture and how do you, like at Greenhouse, like how are you leading the culture at Greenhouse and facilitate and making sure like, all right, everything that we have written down is matching like how we live. Like, how do you, how do you approach that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, the first thing I would say about culture is it's something that you have to nurture. Yeah. Right. And so like so many leaders are in companies and they're in spaces right now where like if we just redacted the company's name and you just looked at their values, mm. I, there's no doubt that the overwhelming majority of company has phenomenal values. Yeah. Um, the dilemma, though, is that are they living up to it? Mm. Right? We see this in the candidate process where, you know, folks walk away from an experience feeling like they were hoodwinked or catfished because they heard all these beautiful things early on in their process and then they join and they come to find out that folks aren't living up to those values. So for me as a, a culture for me is um, it's something that we must nurture every single day, but it also for me serves as like um, almost, almost like the mirror, if you will. Right. Like, am I, do I look and live up to the things that we said we were? Uh, and there's a couple of things that we're doing here. I think the first thing that we've done is everything that we do at greenhouse, is centered on this thought process of inclusion, diversity, equity, and allyship. Mm. Everything that we do. So we know we don't have bias in our product because we have diverse teams who are coming to the table to ensure that all of the tools that we use are equitable for people, regardless of which community they belong to. And making sure that uh, through a lens of allyship, you know, so many folks use the word allyship the wrong way. The root word of allyship is not ally, it's all. Mm. How are you making sure that all people that enter your experience walk away feeling like it was fair, uh, that their voice mattered? Um, and so for us, from a culture perspective, that's our mirror every single day in everything that we do. And so how that materializes is in the way that we work together. It also materializes in the products that we bring to market. We have a phenomenal... Um, head of product named uh, Henry, Henry Sai, And I could tell you like every day, his team is legit committed to trying to figure out how do we make this product something that all people can use and how can we continue to tear down the walls of bias in the hiring process? 
Um, the other thing I would say about culture, and this is where I give a shout out to a young lady named Layla. She's based out of Denver. Uh, Go Layla. Yeah, shout outs to Layla. She's amazing. <laughs> uh, we, we unveiled our employee value proposition. Yeah. And, you know, EVPs in, a, in themselves are not necessarily something that's revolutionary. I think what's revolutionary about it, though, is it serves as almost like this checkpoint for us daily that says, hey, are we delivering on the things that we said was a differentiator for us as a company? Right. And that includes things like rewards, things like mo what most people call benefits. We now call essentials. Mm, right. I love that. They're essentials. I'm like, sure you know, your employees really love that as well. It's, uh, I think it's a great one. Well, great. Absolutely, man. Um, so like, are we creating environments mm. for our people to thrive? And if we are, are we doing so in a way that we live up to the very things that we said are the things that we value and differentiates us uh, as a company or an employer? And so for me, man, we do this dutifully. Um, and some folks would say, do you get it right? Yes. Some people say, will you get it wrong? Absolutely. Like this is this isn't a, a game of perfection. Like we, we're, we're not, we're not perfect human beings by, by nature of being human. We're all imperfect. And so this thought process is, have I curated an environment where our folks feel comfortable telling us when we didn't get it right, when we might've had an obstructed view where our intent didn't match our execution. Um, and so we do that. We host things like AMAs, ask me anything that allow folks to really put us on the hot seat. And that is that with with leadership? Then I take it. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, like folks across the that. entire company can ask questions, and it basically puts leaders on the hot seat. And honestly, that means sometimes we have to openly share that you know we fumbled the ball or we didn't get it right. I'll give you an example. Like one of my favorite people at the company, her name is Dina. She's on our marketing team. I'm talking about like rock star energy, dude. Like just high energy. Every time I talk to her, it's like I want to like run through walls afterwards. And uh, <laughs> Like legit. She's like, a, she's like, a, you ever meet those people that are like a battery in your back? Like, yeah, Dina's, a, she's definitely a battery in my back. And so, you know, we were unveiling how we were going to enhance our sabbatical program um, because sabbaticals have been proven where people are able to recharge mm. in a formal way. They come back rejuvenated and being able to unlock so much productivity, performance and impact. Like, it's just amazing. So we, we called it like sabbatical 2.0 and we like, move the uh, way that you are eligible for sabbatical. So after four years of service, you get four weeks, as opposed mm. to what we had before, it was seven years of service when you get seven weeks. And like mapped this whole thing out, like it was lots of voices, lots of hands contributed to the success of that, um, that enhancement. And like folks like Dina came to me afterwards and was like, hey, this is super exciting for our teams, uh, but there's some opportunities here around the folks that are tenured. Have you thought about the long term, when you model this out, folks that have actually served here longer, they're actually not getting very similar or commensurate sabbatical weeks based on time of service. Um, and then I saw that echoed again with another one of my favorite people named Trenton. And so, like, we had to go back less than 30 days later. We revamped it and made it all made it whole in order for everybody to be able to thrive. Right. But for me, it was less about the fact that. Um, People were excited about sabbatical. The most important thing about that story for me, Joel, was that there was an environment where people felt safe enough mm. to share their voice in order to make things better. And so I had no problem and I, our leaders had no problem admitting that, hey, we might not have got it right the first time, 
but that second time we'll we'll get it right. We'll get a little closer. So uh, I, I'm just thankful that we create that type of an environment, and I think that's indicative of the culture that mm. we have. So yeah, no, I, I love that, and I've, I've heard you say the biggest room in the world is the room for opportunity. Which I when I heard you say that, I'm like. I think when I think of leadership or like just people who are in, I, I think like you've got to have the element of like, Hey, we're going and we're going to do this and we want to get it right. But there is always that element of humility where sometimes you do, you've got to be able to look and go, okay, where, what can we do better? And I, but I think that's a massive challenge for people. So I'm, I'm curious, like if you're speaking to, you know, chief people officers, if you're speaking to, VP of talent, whoever it is that, that's kind of really involved in bringing in the right talent, but as well as like you know, working on retention, like how how do you communicate with leaders or like what advice would you have for them in terms of like just communicating with leaders to create these environments where people do feel safe and you know, they feel safe to communicate, hey, this is where we could do better. This is how we could do better. Like how do you, what advice do you give, you know, to people to be able to communicate and just really get their leadership on board with with that type of mentality? That's a great question. Um, I have always subscribed to this idea that people teams, and if you work for a company that says HR teams, I'm still talking to you as well. Um, we are uniquely qualified to have the greatest impact on the business if we truly understand how to map our actions to business imperatives. Mm. So we'll... We'll take, for instance, what you're talking about. Like, how do you create that environment? Well, let's reverse engineer it. Profits, right, are the result of great revenue. Revenue is the great is the result of great innovation. Innovation is the result of great uh, diversity. Diversity or creativity, and creativity is the result of great diversity. And so, when you map that all the way back, we've, we know for years in every company, diversity of thought drives creativity, which drives innovation, yeah. right? And that innovation is going to go drive revenue. Those revenues are going to go drive profits. Well, whose job is it to make sure there's diversity of thought in the room? Like whose job is that? I think I'd actually lead, leadership of the company, right? I mean, the, it's, it's got to be the leadership of the company in my mind. I totally agree with you. It's a shared responsibility by leaders yeah. and everyone else. How did those people get to the company? The people team. Yeah, that's great. Right? And so, like, there is power in vulnerability. There's power in empathy. Humility is actually, if you want to be a superhero, the cape is made out of humility, by the way. Mm -hmm. That's what the cape is made out of. So it's okay to foster these environments because what's happening right now a lot of companies are not able to innovate because they don't have any, they don't have any diversity in the room. And yeah. then the people that, for those that do have diversity in the room, they're not driving innovation because it's not a safe space to fail. Mm. Everybody's striving to be perfect all the time. And then when you do make a miss, the beautiful thing about sharing when you make a miss or when there's an opportunity for improvement, the, re the power in sharing that openly is that you just created an environment where other people said, oh, wow, I've observed a leader saying that it's okay to not get this right the first time, right? And so that's where I, I tell people, like the people team, if we the impact that we can help unlock because we can help figure out who else are going to be accelerators to that growth, 
who else are going to be accelerators to that culture? Who else are going to be accelerators to creating that type of an environment? It also means we have to live what we say. Like this, my, one of my um, folks on my team say you have to have a, a high do say ratio, mm. right? Where it's not just what I'm doing, but it's also what I'm saying. And those things have to marry well. So if I say I'm going to practice, it's important to practice humility, but I never do it. Then my <laughs> high, I don't have a high do say ratio, right? Which I think right now is, I mean, it's a challenge, right? Because I think a lot of companies have said, okay, you know, from a PR standpoint, from a social media standpoint, we know, we just know that it's the right things to say. And I think a lot of people know how to say things. Like, I think we've gotten to the point where people know how to communicate. They know, they know how to communicate a message of belonging, inclusivity, diversity, but then it's the doing it. It's like you're saying, it's, it's the doing it. That's, that's a real challenge. I think for a lot of leaders, and I think a lot of leaders just talking to someone else about this, it's just, they don't have, they don't necessarily even have the game plan of how, you know, of what to do. So I'm, I'm curious, like, I want to backtrack a little bit, like what, you know, when we look at how you got started in the people function, cause you've, you've got an interesting background. How did you, I guess, how did you get into it? Like, what do you, why do you think you've been successful in the people function? And like, how did you get to this point? Yeah. Are we, are we able to backtrack? Yeah, we should totally backtrack. That's cool. I, you know, I like the, to just throw, I like to th throw it in there. Oh, we can, we can circle back around to, to kind of the, the conversation as well, but I'm just curious because I'm, I'm sure there's people out there who are just wondering like how, uh, how you got into this position and like what, um, yeah, just your background really. I'm just, I'm curious myself. Yeah, man. So I guess I, I'm guilty of never wanting to pursue a career in HR. Like that was, that wasn't my intentions. Um, and equally at the same time, like I'm super grateful for the opportunity mm. uh, to have this profession or this career. The story is rather simple. I was um, interning for the defense commissary agency at their headquarters. For those who don't know what the defense commissary agency is, it's an agency underneath the Department of Defense. Mm. They have 256 stores, 18,000 employees globally, and they basically provide food or grocery to men and women in uniform, right? And they're across every base you could think of, Navy bases, Marine bases, like Air Force bases, Army posts, like all of those things. And so I was interning there uh, doing like resource management as a financial analyst. And uh, I just knew like, Joel, my parents were both military. So I just knew when I graduated, I was going to go to law school. It's going to be a corporate attorney. It's going to make a lot of money. That was the goal. <laughs> I already knew what I was going to do. Like the whole, the whole life was mapped out. So I thought. Um, the head of HR, her name is Kay Kennedy. Uh, yeah. She's somewhere on LinkedIn. So she might actually see this. She was, she's a phenomenal human being. Um, she saw potential in me and said that I could help revolutionize the role of what it meant to be a head of people. And the reason she thought that is because she had close proximity to me. So she was like, hey, you view the world globally. You lived in so many different places. That's not necessarily a, a normalized or average experience. Yeah. Um, and she was like, because of that, you're able to build proximity with people rather quickly. And that in itself is not an average or normal experience. And between her and my amazing wife, Ashley, I actually uh, heeded their wisdom and chose to forego law school because Kay offered me this opportunity. She said, 
hey, if you go get your MBA with a concentration in HR management, the agency will help pay for about 25% of your graduate school. Mm. And I was like, no, nah, I'm still going to law school. Um, <laughs> what, what are you talking about? I'm not doing that. But it was, it was really my wife, Ashley, who like mm. joined Kay in convincing me in this. She was like, hey, like, yeah, you think you've had this thing mapped out to become like a JAG officer in the Marine Corps and then get out four years later and mm. work as a general counsel. But like, I think you would actually enjoy this and you'll be able to spend more quality time with our son, Dalen. And um, I really thank them because, you know, like two decades later, I get to be like centered at this place, at this crossroads of where people are and making like positive impact meets. And so um, that's really how I got into HR or into the people function. And, you know, almost two decades later, I'm super happy I'm here. Man, I love that. I love that. It's so it's so crazy that you. Uh, I, I guess, I guess a lot of people don't really think of going into HR, and you know, it's like you hear a lot of those similar stories. I guess in you know in, in your current role right now, let's. I just I wanted to give that background just so kind of people knew you know, yeah. how you, how you got started. But kind of going back to, to back to what we're chatting about, right? So we've got companies that are kind of saying a lot of right things. One of the things I've noticed with a lot of layoffs, for example. A lot of uh, the E&I, like officers and, you know, it seems like people who are really brought into organizations to to help with diversity, it seems like a lot of those positions have been eliminated. Um, so I'm just curious to get your, like, insight on why why you think that is, and, like, why we're seeing, like, is that just, a, is that just because of layoffs? Like, why, why are we seeing this? Or is this, I'm, I'm curious to get your take on that. I want to make sure I answer the question because I don't like political answers. Are you saying why are we seeing like diversity, equity, and inclusion roles go away? Yeah, because 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 again, because it was like a year and a half ago, there was a lot of you know I, th I think it was uh, there was a lot of just kind of plans, or it just seemed like people were talking about diversity a lot more. Yeah, and then you know even on like my live show, like it was just we seemed like the the conversation would would go there, and then now. We're not seeing as much. So I'm just curious if that's like a, just a mark, like it's just what we're seeing in the market. Yeah. Because we're seeing a lot of layoffs. That's kind of like the topic now that people are focusing on. So I'm, I'm just kind of curious to get your insight on that. Hey, man. So again, I'm not going to give you a political answer. Yeah. I'm, no, I'm a no. very direct person. And so this may, this may cause some folks to be in an uproar. But, you know, I'll be super transparent with you. Yeah. Why is it in, if, if you notice in layoffs, I never see a CFO role be eliminated yeah right like i've seen a person who may be a cfo be eliminated because they did not navigate the financial times the way that they were supposed to or maybe they ran out of cash for the business but yep. i have yet to see an organization in the midst of layoffs say we no longer need a cfo <laughs> the reason why is because everybody on this planet understands that a cfo is valuable in fact, I would argue that companies have shown to businesses and leaders inside of businesses and people who work at businesses that the CFO role is so priceless that everybody needs one. So mm. it is a required role. There is no macro economy where a CFO role is not needed. With that said, I absolutely adore our CFO, Christina Salen. She's an amazing human being. She's we would tell each if she was here, she'd tell you that's my bestie. We spent a lot of times, a lot of time together. So this is not a knock on the CFO. <laughs> that's not, no, that's not what the intention of this is. Yeah. What this is, though, 
is indicative of what we're seeing now when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion. The reasons why businesses are comfortable laying those roles off is because they do not believe those roles are required. Mm. It had, those roles have not been cemented at every company as a must-have, mm. right? Now, I would argue, just as me, I would argue that if the role is not required and you don't see the impact, does that also mean that those companies may not be as invested in making sure that their workplaces or work environments are diverse, equitable, and inclusive of all people? I think that's, I can understand people who walk away with that understanding. And so for me, like during these times where you invest your time, talent, and treasure, it matters. Anybody on this stream, they should be focused on companies that are worthy of their time, talent, and treasure. And for me, I refuse to work at an organization who does not understand that inclusion, diversity, equity, and allyship are indeed required roles. Those are, those are they, they are must-haves in this environment. Regardless of what generation you work for, regardless of what pronouns you use, those are required roles. And so when you start to like reverse engineer that, Joel, that's why you see some people with shady hiring processes. Mm because those roles aren't required. That's how you see bias in people's products because yeah. those in those companies, those roles are not required. At Greenhouse, those things are required. Our, our head of idea, Jamie Adasi, she sits on product calls to talk about that. how our product is being leveraged and is it being inclusive of all people. It also helps that like we have to walk what we talk or in the words of the great band out of Atlanta, the Migos, Walk it like I talk it. You have to, leaders who don't walk it like they talk it, people are going to choose not to park their time, talent, and treasure at your organization. And so that's why I think you see the layoffs because companies are truly signaling to the market what they view as valuable and must-haves. Yeah, 100%. I think, I mean, to me, the kind of the sad part too is, you know, it's, it's I feel like even with the, even all the negativity, Activity you see around layoffs, like or stuff you see on social media, it's almost like people will still. There's always there's always like a group that will still just like go back to these companies, right? Just no no matter what. But I also think that there is just emerge an emergence in candidates where I think candidates are, are asking tougher questions now than ever in interviews, and I think you know it's around diversity, but it's also just around like what do you what do you actually care about like how are you walking out your mission and so i do think that a lot of the a lot of companies right now they're gonna have to it's gonna be it's gonna be more challenging coming out of out of layoffs or the downturn it's gonna be more challenging than i think they think to be able to recoup top talent um oh, totally so what, are, what what do you you know let's say like with your team right now obviously there's uncertainty and i think we're all aware of that's just uncertainty no matter where you work no matter what company you're with and, um, you know, it is what it is, but like, how, do, I guess, how do you like communicate like with your team? Like if you've got people who are maybe just worried about what's going on or, or they're, you know, they're, they're feeling anxiety, like how do you kind of communicate and how do you keep that, um, just positivity in terms of just like, all right, guys, like we've got to stick to the mission here, you know, and, and how do you, how do you kind of encourage your team? And then what advice would you have for just other leaders and how they can be encouraging their teams and just like easing the anxiety with still being transparent, if that, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I, I want to answer one point you had before. Yeah, 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 of course. You asked this question 
And I'm glad you did because it's 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 super important. I think yeah. one of the things we have to realize as humans is that when 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 work became formal, human humans they worked for necessity. Mm. When work became a formal process, I'm not talking about like hunting and gathering and like that's not what I'm talking about. Like I'm talking about like when we started formalizing things and creating W2s and having having people. Uh, clock in and clock out, like the formalization of work yeah. and jobs. Um, people work for necessity. And like, Joel, you and I are probably very comparable in age. I mean, you look a lot younger than me just because <laughs> I, I know you told me you drink your gallons of water every day. So I need to catch oh, up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you, can, you can tell with the gray hairs I got here, you know, it's, uh, it's a re recruiting's no joke, I guess. There so. you go, man. <laughs> I would say the second, like, if you look at like our parents or grandparents, yeah, they worked for lifestyle. Mm. So the generations before them worked for necessity. Our grandparents, our parents, they worked for lifestyle. Like, they were like, oh, I want to uh, be able to live in this particular neighborhood, drive this particular car, grant my kids this particular type of education. It was lifestyle. Travel to this amount of companies. And that, like now, the change or the shift that you're seeing is now people are actually saying, nah, I've kind of like my parents have set a foundation for me a little bit enough. Yeah. I've also, for those who may not have that foundation, they've seen their parents or their grandparents used and abused in companies. And so they're like, mm. you know what? I'm not working for necessity and I'm not working for lifestyle. I'm working <laughs> for purpose. Exactly. And so they're being very purposeful. And where they park their time, talent, and treasure. So I totally agree with you. Those companies who have chosen to be very short-sighted, those companies that have practiced performative diversity as opposed to genuine inclusion, mm. mark my words, those companies will not only have a difficult time getting people to work for them, but I wouldn't be surprised if they end up closing their doors uh, in the next five, 10 years. That, that's that's my hunch because I don't believe talent will continue to go park themselves in suffocating environments simply based off of necessity and lifestyle. I think people are going to be moving more purposeful. Uh, and I'm already seeing that now. Um, as it relates to your, your last question, though, which is, hey, Donald, what do you say to these people to make yeah. sure they're positive? Look, I, I'm a transparent leader. Uh, in the words of uh, another lady on my team named Ariana, she says, we practice radical transparency. Mm. I'm going to be radically transparent with you all. I don't always tell our teams positive news. Mm. Sometimes it's not positive. It's hard to be positive when we have friends that work and colleagues and cousins and neighbors that work at some of these companies that are laying off 7%, 8%, 10% of their workforce. And so I actually think um, it show, it demonstrates a lack of emotional awareness if leaders only feel like they have to communicate positive things. I'm not communicating positive things all the time. Sometimes my conversations with folks is simply based on encouragement and empathy. It's not positive. It's not we won this big contract or we won this big award. Sometimes it's just encouragement and empathy. And that's OK. Um, I put a note we uh, in our employee channel uh, uh, being rather vulnerable with our entire company. And mm. it wasn't all positive. I told him, like, look, I probably haven't been the most exciting, my exciting self, the jolly Donald that most people grow to love or grow to like or grow to get close to. I haven't been that because I was focused on like I had a nephew that was about to be born. And, you know, I was concerned if he was going to arrive safely. 
Mm. And I wanted to make sure that, you know, I, there was things around like challenges around like health that I just couldn't solve. I wasn't a doctor. I wasn't a superhuman that could solve that. Mm. Now I'm happy to report that my nephew, who I call Alexander the Great, but his real name is Alexandros Konstantinos Knight. <laughs> I love uh, it. He's African and Greek. Um, I'm happy to say that he arrived safely. And I hope one day he gets to rival uh, Giannis in being the most famous African-American Greek to ever to ever be born. But yeah, I wasn't. It wasn't all mm. positive, man. Like it was it was vulnerability. It was, hey, I, I needed to be encouraged. I'm used to being the encourager. And I thank those who chose to take time to encourage the encourager. So I think leaders, there's this false um, belief that you have to have it all put together and keep all the plates spinning and everything has to be positive news when people talk to you. And honestly, that ain't human. Like yeah. that's, that's not what people want. People want to know that, look, they're going through hard times that um, you're going to be there to encourage or, or provide empathy. And if you're going through hard times that you'll be vulnerable enough to tell people um, through radical transparency. And so I think leaders should practice that more. And I hope that I continue to practice that more and, and have a high do say ratio. These are, I mean, this is really challenging things though for a lot, a lot of leaders. I think having difficult conversations and being transparent is, I mean, I think it's not just a challenge for leaders. I think it's a challenge for us all, but particularly for leaders because we've create we have created cultures where I think leaders do feel like they have that responsibility to always be positive, to always be communicating these things. But we also have a generation coming up that. I think they just see through a lot of stuff because we we've got there's almost a level of forced transparency nowadays i think with social media and how easy it is for people to just communicate things yeah that, that when it's not like we're just getting our news source from one place right we have so much information we can get um it's super interesting well i i want to i've you know we've got only got a couple more minutes here left but i want to just get your kind of um, your prediction on um and just kind of your take on where you think this next, you know, couple of quarters, like what you kind of anticipate, obviously you're so in tune with um, even just like hiring and talent as a whole, because of what you, you know, the nature of your business and, and the clients and who you deal with. Yeah. And I know you get a lot of insights from leaders. So I guess what's your kind of prediction or like thoughts on the next couple of quarters and, and what kind of what you think we're going to see in the market as it equates to hiring and, and, and talent, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I would encourage everyone to make sure that they have outlets to receive inbound thought perspective. Mm. Um, and recruiting is no joke is one of those. Like Joel's talking to some of the most amazing leaders on the planet. I, I'm humbled to be a part of the few that have been invited, but I would encourage anybody in our profession to make sure you have inbound perspectives. Uh, another way to get an inbound perspective is looking at what reports you subscribe to, right? Mm. So like some people look at the jobs report or the labor and statistics report. Um, one report that I subscribe to is our CEO outlook report. Uh, and for anybody who wants a copy of the CEO outlook report, we can make sure we link that. Yeah. So we'll you access. But yeah. when I look at the next few quarters, like if I'm talking to CEOs or looking at that CEO outlook report, I mean, the results are clear that like, the overwhelming majority, I would say roughly like 80, 81% of the CEOs that responded to the Greenhouse CEO Outlook report, a lot of them are optimistic about the first half of 2023. Mm. Um, and the reason why is because um, 
their the the optimism is that yeah the second half is the the first half of the year might be a little rocky you might yeah. see some course corrections you might see some layoffs you might see some slowed hiring um but that second half of the year those CEOs have said it looks rather bright in fact most of the headlines that they shared is that um they anticipate greater uh interest rates for GDP growth they anticipate heightened levels of employment levels. Um, and we we believe that you'll see greater potential in the second half of the year as a result of their feedback. And so to me, if that's where their optimism lies, that lets me know, like even now, there's more jobs right now in the market um, than actual talent. Despite the layoffs, there's roles. And so I think what you're gonna see is people using this as an opportunity to potentially make career changes where mm -hmm. I might have been working in consulting before, but due to this macro economy, I'm choosing to take, in, take on cybersecurity roles or things of that nature. Um, but I, I'm rather optimistic about, about the quarters ahead. I, I believe that we'll see a greater bounce back. Most economists don't believe, and even the CEOs in the CEO Outlook report, most of them don't believe that this is gonna be 2008 levels. So we should see a greater bounce back. And the other thing I would encourage people is these recessions are, are cyclical, right? Yeah. Most people don't realize that. Like, I'm a, I'm a nerd for this data, Joel. So, like, <laughs> I recognize at least, you know, since my parents were alive, there's been roughly around 11 recessions mm. in the United States. And then globally, it's been around four. The U.S. has always preceded the global recessions. The U.S. has also often bounced back faster than most of the countries in, uh, across the planet. And so if though if history continues to be true, if the outlook of these CEOs and the CEO outlook report continue to underscore what we believe history to be, then I totally anticipate that we're going to be seeing a more positive, uh, a more positive second half of the year. Yeah, no, I love that. Well, yeah, we'll link that report too. I know we've got already got a couple of people asking for the report, so I'd, I'd be super curious on that. And like you said, I mean, those are the voices that we want to hear about. And it's obviously tough right now. I mean, I don't know what your LinkedIn feed looks like. Obviously we all have different LinkedIn feeds, but just being so ingrained in like the HR and TA space, it's, you know, yep. it's, it's been a pretty difficult uh, couple months, but you know, once we start seeing the layoffs, kind of the, the, I think the headline news layoffs kind of subside. And then we, we kind of go into spring. Um, it's what we need is optimism. We don't need things to go back to perfect. We just need optimism. And right now I think it's, uh, we're not seeing that. So yeah, let's everybody check out that report. Donald, where's the best place for like people to reach you? I know you've got obviously some great content on LinkedIn. So is that the best place for people to connect or wh where can people reach you? Yeah, LinkedIn. My my back handle is Proximity Knight. Look me up. I'd love to build proximity with you. Um, if I could be a bridge to you in your careers, happy to do that. If I could help you in your businesses, happy to do that. If you just want to nerd out and have a scoop of ice cream, I'm a big ice cream enthusiast. <laughs> I'm happy to do that as well. So. I love it. Any any big events you got coming up as well that you that you're going to be a part of that uh, that that people can can find you at as well. Yeah, I'll be at Saster in London in June. Um, we'll be speaking at Transform in Las Vegas. Perfect. Um, uh, so yeah, like feel free to like reach out. Like we can connect. And if you're ever in the Atlanta area, I promise you, if you're ever in the Atlanta area. I love rolling out VIP treatment. That's, that's just something I like to do. I love people. I get energy from people. Um, and so I, I would welcome that opportunity. 
I love it. Awesome. Well, guys, I uh, I appreciate all of your comments as well. I know we didn't get to too many questions, but um, I'm sure if if uh, if you enjoyed this conversation, what what I think you should do is um, go just look up because you've got a ton of conversations too on like YouTube and, and different places. You've done a lot of podcasts, uh, so I definitely encourage you guys to check it out. We'll get the um, the greenhouse report as well because I think that's going to be super interesting. I'm excited to check it out. We'll link that. Um, and guys, if you do connect as well on LinkedIn, I say it's about any guests that we have, just be patient, you know, and just understand that like, we're all busy when it comes to the DMs and LinkedIn's DMs are terrible anyway. Um, so, but Donald, I look, I appreciate it. I really, really, um, I know you were saying you were honored to be on the show. I'm honored to have you on here. And I think in terms of just your insight and, and transparency and vulnerability, it's really, really clear that you, uh, you do do what you say, which is, uh, it's refreshing. I'm excited to see what, what you guys accomplish as well. And guys, if you're not using greenhouse, come on, you gotta, uh, gotta, you gotta, gotta make that switch. So, uh, appreciate it. Thanks for your time and everyone else out there. I know we had tons of people as well. We got Jonathan, Brian, uh, Brittany out there, uh, Kevin, thanks so much for the engagement here guys. And remember you can check out the past episodes as well on uh, on itunes and stay tuned i've got a newsletter coming out where we're going to be able to uh, kind of keep track of all the podcast episodes as well that's going to be being released next week so appreciate it guys and we will see you next week see you guys